You are listening to the Path Podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. You know how much a patent clerk earns? No. Personally, I like the university. They gave us money and facilities. We didn't have to produce anything. You've never been out of college. You don't know what it's like out there. I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. Welcome to another episode of the Path Podcast. Nathan here with Tani and Ock. Hey guys, Tani here and Ock. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks. I forgot our little ritual. Our, our listeners expect results. <laughs> this is the private sector, gentlemen. <laughs> so we'll 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 jump right into uh, into shop news, and we don't have a lot of it, but uh, let's see. We got if we get this. Oh yeah. So it, it doesn't even matter when the when this comes out. So uh, giant maestro bikes uh, are on sale, twenty percent off at the shop. So this includes. We've talked about one of. What I think is one of the best value bikes is the Trance, um, like the Trance 2. Uh, if we have any in stock, those are oh. 20% off. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the, at 20% off, the Trance 2 is 2312 plus tax. Oh, my gosh. But all the Reigns, all the Trances, Anthem 29, Anthem 27 and a half, Peak and Hail, all 20% off and uh, come get it. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean that... 2018s, sorry. 2018s, it's... I can't believe that... But Now, we're still a little ways out before the 2019... No, 2019s are going to be coming out? Well, we have 2019 Fox Forks in stock. We have 2019 RockShox Forks in stock. We have... I think the Trail 29s considered... 2019s are trickling in, and the floodgates are... Usually open, you know, we had a meeting about this last year to kind of put a perspective on it. And I think the the w- people start thinking of the model year 2019 some t- these days in or sometime in May, and it really gets thick in June and July and August as far as new models coming out. And that Trail 429 really is a 2019 because it wasn't available last year. I think it has 2019 Fox product on it, I'm pretty sure which is like kind of often the differentiating factor. Sweet. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, I think let's see anything else on on shop news new product. Man, you mentioned like so many cool things out there like the 2019 Fox Forks and 2019 Orange and Red Forks. I wrote a 2429 Recon that isn't on the market yet on that Trail 429. That was kind of cool as a rear tire. On a two four, that's the stock tire on the Trail Four Twenty Nine. Two four Whoa, recon yeah. twenty nine. Not available aftermarket yet. Sweet, it kind of looks like a high roller, like it's a derivation of a high roller. Yeah, like a small knob, like a small low knob high roller. It yeah. is like more knobs than a typical recon, maybe. Nice. Let me know if anyone has a takeoff. I did put a big puncture in that tire though too in Moab and. Almost successfully stuffed it with two mega Dyna plugs, and then right at about rideable psi, all the sealant spurted out. Oh man! <clears throat> want, want. Yeah, it so, happens. So maybe share it a little. It happens bit more. in sh. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe share a little bit more about the experience in Moab and kind of how you ended up riding the Trail Four Twenty Nine out there. Um, Moab invited a handful of dealers out to come check out the new bike. The, we the day of the product launch so the product launch um at, at midnight 
anyway, whatever day I forget. So we were riding that bike in Moab and it, it's, it's a, it's to put in a point of reference of bikes you've ridden knock. It's somewhere between a tall boy and a high tower, but it has that pivot tune and it has obviously mm. reach numbers more like what modern Santa Cruz's are. That old, the, the previous generation of that bike had a really old school short reach. Correct. Has a little higher bottom bracket than the other bikes in class and really short chain stays and manuals really well. It's really playful mm. and yet pretty planted. Yeah, really perfect bike for the, like we rode Ahab and I think some, something seven or something trail network. And I would say it's a great bike for that kind of like, you're always working for it, but you also don't want an XC bike because there's a lot of ledges and, 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 and kind of, um, just techiness everywhere. Right. Yeah. From what I remember of Moab, when we went out there a couple of years, a couple of years ago, yeah, that sounds pretty primo. Like it climbs about as good as any not full XC full suspension bike I've ridden. And I, I followed someone off an offline, like four foot huck to flat and it didn't, there was no hesitation from the bike. It took it fine. Awesome. How would you compare it to the high tower these days? Um, I'm more familiar with the high tower and I have the timing with the suspension worked out more and everything. And the way we have our high tower set up with the coil fork right. makes them a lot more game. Right. But I think compared to a stock high tower, it, it's like firmer, but doesn't have that. It's firmer and more playful. Right. But there's a lot of overlap in the Venn diagram still. <laughs> so <clears throat> my friend, Andrew, uh, Drew, Drew dog, uh, if you're out there, uh, we were talking about how, impre how impressed I was with the high tower. Um, maybe before you make that final decision, uh, you might try demoing, um, Trail 429. Another thing about the Trail 429, huge pivots with huge bearings. I really like that. And it's super boost. 157, yes? Super boost 157. Super boost. Which I think I think Nathan had done some analysis and verified that it, it's kind of legit. Um, like better, like compared to regular boost, it actually I, provides more difference. I Maybe uh, I'm remembering wrong. I, I did some numbers to say it's... Uh, the study that I, or the theoretical study that I did, which was just very simple math, was I was trying to answer the question if regular boost was better than an asymmetrical rim. Right. And it is. Okay. I remember wrong. Um, but in that direction, super boost is even wider yet, and thus would probably be an improvement even further. Yet. And I think it, in terms of spoke bracing angle, in particular, it might be more benefit than it even sounds like. If I don't know, right? The, if you if you believe the pivot propaganda for sure, like the numbers, the percentage numbers and stuff are big, right? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean i I like it. It seems like a good idea. And and uh, how do you were you able to see how they executed the crank? Was it like a flipped around race face chain ring? Is it a okay? So. On Shimano cranks, it it comes with I think a one up um that one up makes like a zero offset chain ring. Okay. Um and then on the race face cranks, I, I believe race face made them 
or maybe it's on the SRAM cranks. They used a, the the ninety four spider, I think, with an aftermarket ring that had less offset. And then on the, I think on the race face cranks, race face made them a ring. Are they changing the Q factor? No, no, just the offset on the ring. Just the offset. On the ring. So, so like non boost, I think is like six mil. And boost is like three mil or seven and yeah. three, and then super boost plus is like zero. Or I feel like if you were going to build one of these bikes from scratch and you had a two by crank set lying around, you could just slap the chain ring in the high position, and it mm. would probably line right out. Pretty good. I, one of Chris Chris talking about super boost plus. One of his kind of design goals was not to have a wider Q factor and not right or or stance width. And and they also Chris was also Kalis was also saying that um, we're going to see super boost plus on bigger brands than pivot soon yeah probably disappointing to a lot of people who are gripey about standard changes but oh well it's coming (laughs) no i think they um enjoy having something to complain about (laughs) (laughs) yeah well they yeah they released that xtr this weekend and there was a bunch of grumbling about that too we got a we got a new standard i enjoy complaining about that particularly that's one of that's one i'll get on board with complaining about that a new cassette body standard. That's what we don't need. Oh man, I, I like I do like if you give me a new rear wheel standard and convince me that it makes the bikes all a little better and we can have shorter chain stays and stiffer wheels and stuff, great. But like just a new cassette body standard so Shimano yeah. can have fifty one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We shouldn't go down that rabbit hole yet. We'll let let you finish up on the pivot. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think. We got we got a medium demo bike in, so maybe Ock and I will ride it on some local trails. It is a little bit rough riding a bike on. I've so I rode that Ahab trail on it, and I've ridden that trail once before in my life, and it was years a few, couple years back. So it's a little it's a. I'll have more to say after riding it on a local trail, but my general impression is that it fits a really nice spot in that mid travel twenty er trail bike for like really light trail bike that needs to shred sometimes kind of like you know there's there's some good bikes in that category and i think this is going to be one of the good ones for sure yeah well that category is quickly becoming one of my favorites i mean i have the smuggler i ride it all the time and i really like it i I would say that bike generally fits in that category there are some differences um but you know once upon a time i also had a kona 111 which i would also generally put in that category and I find for me around here anyway that category is really really I, I reach for it a lot. For our trails, it's uh, you really often feel like you have the best tool for the job. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's like one forty twenty seven and a half, one twenty one thirty twenty nine, yep. one forty one fifty twenty seven and a half, one twenty one thirty twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the smuggler, even though it is one ten, it's uh one twenty one forty now. Ooh, the old right? one used to be one fifteen. So that average is one thirty. Yeah, <laughs> average one thirty. But even when it was 110, I think it came with a 134 with the smuggler, right? Uh, it originally was 115, and I think it was a 115, 130. So, right. So, always was averaging over 120. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. But, yeah, um, especially if what you're looking for, you know, I think for the rider who rides the really low slammed bottom bracket bikes and feels like they're getting a lot of pedal strikes and that the bike is a little hard to flip around, the taller bottom bracket and the really short chain stays make it really playful, easy, nice. to pick, easy to pick the wheels up off the ground. 
And my guess is it's probably I if you broke out the frame, I bet it's a competitively light frame in the category and it's something you might be able to do an endurance race on. Uh I would say yeah. Especially a real technical endurance race or yeah. one where you're not hoping to have the lightest bike. Yeah. I mean, I think it's still a twenty nine pound bike or whatever. Oh, okay. Oh, you can always throw some light tires on it, it and what have you. I bet it. I bet it pedals better than say a Smuggler or a 111. You know. I really like how the how the Chris Kakalis DW Link um, execution ends up pedaling, and and also how that suspension feels every time. Right. The yeah. two of them seem to have a good outcome when they work together on the kinematics of the suspension. Nice. And always a ton of build options. I'm sure some of the new ones will have the new XTR. You can get it with. That They've actually diverged from that. They have, oh, really? I think, six build options. And that was one of the talking points in the presentation is like, we're going away from a million build options. Ah, they referenced like okay. a pink bike article where pink bike was like, and it comes in 77 options or something. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, so yeah, like pro XTR or pro XX one or like right. team. It's just like, it's like three Shimano options, I think, and three SRAM options. Which is still a lot more than a lot of other brands. A and lot of other brands are like good, better, best build. Part, right. right. And part of it is, and that's all on their top shelf frame. There's not like tiers of the frame. Oh, right. And part of the interesting story here is that Shimano's not doing a, an electric shifting group on the new stuff. Yeah, which and I was kind of stoked about. The rumor, you're, I don't want anyone to have it. <laughs> the rumor is that, um, why are you stoked that they're not doing electric shifting? Um, uh, because I felt like it was well, I guess I'm not stoked that it, <laughs> I I agree with them that I don't think it was necessary. I think Di2, um, I, I personally think it's an overly complicated execution, and the benefits just aren't there. Hmm. They're and, gonna skip, and I'm glad that they're focusing on making a really well functioning mechanical group. We'll see if it's that well functioning. I hope that's what they were doing. <laughs> but I, I think um, the maybe, real reason is that they agree, maybe agree with me that electric shifting with wires is like having an eight track in your 2018 Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I, I have seen the plugs unplug. Well, once I saw a, a racer with the plug unplug on a stage. Hmm. It got you know somehow disconnected, and it was oh interesting. The the plug that goes into the rear derailleur got accidentally unplugged. Oh, and I thought you were going to say, and it kept on working. <laughs> no, no, because it, it, it was it just it they were just faking wired. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it stopped working. Uh, I think it's proof that they're working on a wireless electric grupo. So the yeah, eagle. I fire. heard there was not anything in the crystal ball really? of wired of electric XTR. I've heard that as well. That and I think that's because they're abandoning wires and starting over again. Oh, okay. So theory. we may be three, four years out of a wireless solution. Or maybe they've been working on it for a couple of years. Yeah, or maybe if they, maybe if SRAM launches something successful, they'll feel pressure to come to market quicker. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Because SRAM is definitely launching their... It, it, it exists. Yeah. We've seen spy shots. Yeah. Yeah. That is cool. If that ends up working out really well. That wireless. Yeah. I'm excited about that. I think that could be good. I'm excited about it too, but I, man, I'm going to forget to charge my batteries. <laughs> so, I mean, did anybody see Icarus? 
Did you guys see the documentary Icarus? No, but I, I read the story. <laughs> the the documentary Icarus, I mean, obviously the guy was trying to reproduce a Lance Armstrong racing situation. And uh, the first part of the documentary is he's he's doping to a Lance Armstrong style um, a doping program to go do a multi-day race in France, a very difficult amateur race. Um they kind of glaze over the point that his whole race goes to shit because he forgets to charge his DI2 battery. Ah, whoa. High-level expert racer forgets, forgets to charge his DI2 battery. Those of us that ride are like, really, dude? <laughs> well, I think the DI2 battery is so long-lived that it almost works against itself this way because you would never have a habit of charging it. Right. Like, I think I rode... Except I don't maybe. know. I probably did thirty rides without charging it, and then when I went yeah. to charge it, it was not close to depleted. Like, except ugh. the part where you're filming a documentary, getting a bunch of drugs, doping, dealing with a Russian scientist, flying over to France, and having a having the entire crux of your entire documentary hinge on the improvement of your performance of this and race. You forget to charge. The maybe battery. you remember to throw a charge on it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you would think. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. My point is that having owned DI2, it creates a false sense of security yeah. of never needing a charge. Yes, definitely for your after work rides. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgive you if you forget to charge your well, DI2. Uh, well, an and really, ride. it's on that guy's mechanic. It's not on him. Uh, not would, sh- not sure if he it. had a mechanic. I'm sure it, it's uh, it was him. But it was. It was oh, uh, he's in the tour, you said? No, I no. Love so, but the original point, the original oh. point of the documentary, the goal of the documentary was to do this race one year, dope like Lance Armstrong, do this ah. race the next year. That was the original point. Now they found out. They found out this whole Russian doping scandal in the process, and then you know, one best documentary and okay, that guy was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yes, I, that guy. Yeah, um, but had he not stumbled onto the giant Russian thing? His original project got blown up because he didn't charge his DI2. Huh. <laughs> Kinda. So, do they think it actually would have made a difference for him? <laughs> the DI2? No. Or the, his results? Doping. No, actually, I mean, beyond that, I think when you broke out stage by stage, I think the doping actually didn't help him that much. Huh. I think uh, one of the comments he makes is he's like, I could dope all day long and I'm still not never going to beat these guys. So I, I think his unofficial point was, yeah, you still have to be super, 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 super fast and then dope, and then maybe you can make it. <laughs> right. It's kind of like ha- the difference between having top-level equipment and mediocre equipment. You still have to be one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> you still have to be one of the best. Absolutely. Because all those guys were doping too. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that's that's not even speculation. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Unfortunately. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, I think I heard the top 18 one year in the tour all have been convicted at one or, or <laughs> no, you got to go at one time or 20 another. plus deep to, to yeah. find a new winner. Um, all right, we diverge. Do you guys want to talk about the vital ditch day at Snow Summit? That was fun. Yeah, so huge, huge props and thanks to Vital uh, for hosting the ditch day. Uh, it was really cool to, to cruise up there and not have to go to the major big line and if you like our podcast you might like the vital inside line podcast yeah i mean <laughs> i've listened to a few of, a few of those myself and i, I have I enjoy that yeah i don't know if 
they have a lot of the same guests as us. Yeah. Were they, were the, I don't know if they were there. Um, yeah. Um, Spomer was there. I oh. saw Spomer. Cool. Um, I liked the, um, the Weir episode. I don't know if you guys listen to that. Mm, I do not. I, not because I'm competitive. I just haven't listened to one of the shows. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to fill my, my podcast listening with Adam Carolla and he puts out so much content. I'm generally pretty fills up my podcast hours <laughs> all filled up <laughs> between that and Freakonomics. I'm kind of like, <laughs> so no offense, just haven't gone around to it. So, cool. yeah. So, um, vital MTB ditch day was opening day, uh, which is the Friday before Memorial day at, at big bear snow summit. Um, you know, they host, host, um, industry and industry friends. So I rolled up Thursday afternoon and rode um, Sky Park at Santa's Village for a little while, which I recommend. And that's a nice – and then we went and camped at Pine Knot, and then we rode opening day at Summit. Not too much has changed at Summit. They added some good tighter berms on Turtle that work a lot better. Mm-hmm. And they cleaned up some of the jumps and made some of the lips better. But most of the trails are pretty much the same. Yep, yep, yep. So – and the – it was kind of cool. We we hooked up with a longtime friend, uh, Winston. Trail steward. Yes. Made, so. Shout out to Winston for being a longtime contributor to the awesomeness of our local trails. That is very true. And for also riding with us, which was a nice treat. Yeah, that it was. Um, I miss that guy. He is shredding on a TR500. He's fast now. He was always solid, but like he's like fast now. Yeah. Uh, riding his... Transition TR500, which is a 26-inch wheel downhill bike. And it definitely wasn't holding him back at all. You can't ride 26 here. (laughs) They do still roll. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was saying, we were talking that um, he's a big Magic Mary um, fan, uh, Schwabi Magic Mary, and he was saying he has been... Every time he sees that tire, he buys as many as he can. He can have them all as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that tire. So we did talk <laughs> about that a little bit as well on several of our uh, uh, chairlift rides. I've had a lot of so-so tires, and that's the only tire I've ever blamed for a crash. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was last year, too. So if you, I, I'm sure there's a podcast in there where we talk about Magic Mary's. And if anyone at Snow Summit or the people who own or work on that park are listening, I know you probably want to as well. But if you guys could open up some more natural, more like traditional old school downhill stuff in the trees, like in the old fall line area, Colin Bailey area, that would be so good. I would go to your park even more. Because we did ride the new fall line. Which is pretty XC and pedally. It was fun. It was fun, but it it is definitely not the old fall line. No, which is really fun. I loved that trail. Yeah, yeah. The old fall line was like chunky, loose turns through the trees with like little jumps over fallen trees and stuff. It was super fun. Oh, yeah. That's where I branded Ethan with my rotor. What uh, what bikes do you guys take? Nermerds. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> excuse me <laughs> there were lots of those up there i they sell a lot of those and there were lots of them 
Um, mine was set up with the um, uh, Bonte SE5 on the rear, which is kind of their Enduro uh, casing, and a double down uh, Minion DHF 2.5 on the front um, with the 36 fork. That's a good proper tire. I just side note, by the way, chink in the armor, um, Maxis, uh, no 2.5 double down minion 29. Wah, wah. Mm. I want, I really wanted that for my bike, but I, they don't, I can that, picture that, the product group projecting a weight on that tire and just kind of being like, uh, ooh, so 1350 grams. Ooh, like. that's the, down, <laughs> the downhill one's 1350. So I imagine the double down would be like 12, okay. which I'd be fine with. Yeah. But here's the reason I want it. Um, double down. I've done a lot of research on tires lately. We'll, we'll get into this in a little bit, but double down is dual ply one twenty TPI downhill casing. All twenty nine downhill tires are now folding beads, so they're kind of in the running for enduro land. Those are dual ply sixty TPI, so a little stiffer, a little harsher. It's still still two dual ply tires, but the double down is going to give you that more supple casing. That's Interesting. why I, I like. Does the does so it, the Schwalbe version of Double Down is a whole different story, right? It, it is. It's it's very um, location dependent on where the protection is, and the protection I think is more of a like a, a f- stiff, hard su- structure thing. I I had an experience with Schwalbe Super Gravity tires that they felt too stiff and too brickish. Me too. And I'm I'm off those, but double downs feel very lively. And actually, the most lively enduro tire, which I think might be closer to an EXO, is the the SE Bonkers. tires. Those are just lively and supple. They don't feel. I I don't have a lot of confidence in cut protection. Not like I do with a double down. But the double down doesn't feel like a brick. Hmm. And to me, Schwalbe Super Gravity tires feel like a brick. I might have um, unfairly judged that whole category of tires based on the Schwalbe execution of it. I need to come back to that. The double, you just described exactly why I'm, I kind of shied away from the double down, but except the way you describe it, it's the opposite. The, the double downs have a very, very stiff casing. The tread itself, I don't think they have a lot of protection there. It's in the sidewall. It's extremely stiff. There, there's just something about the combination of the ones that I tried I, I was at a race. This was two years ago. I was at Crested Butte. I peeled the tires off my bike at a race because I had to fly back. I was like, oh, cool. I'll get the weight down. Hey, do you want these tires? Right. I just so peeled I'm like them off. Uh, I didn't want to fly them home. That's the Schwalbies, right? <laughs> Those were the Schwalbies. Yeah. I'm that guy who tried like the wrong 29er and just judged all 29ers by it. I tried like <laughs> yeah. some of these kind of like almost downhill tires, thought they were too stiff and dead and yeah. not compliant, but it sounds like the double downs are the opposite. Yeah, right. well, Ock, you're running in the front. Does it feel like a brick? Oh, no way. I, yeah, I mean, it feels lively, it. right? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm I mean, in. Sold. So I think Nathan said the double downs felt like were stiffer sidewalls. Just in, But I think you, you meant thicker. to say they're thicker, but they're more supple than the Schwalbe's. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I might have misspoke, but yeah. yes. No, that's... Now, I think they're stiffer than a downhill because the downhill is a dual-ply 60. Um, but when, again, the in 29er land, downhill casings are now a potential enduro option because they're all folding bead. There are, there are no wire and, bead. And downhill. tubeless. They're tubeless, folding bead. Like This is what we wanted way back in the day. Right. So... 
I mean, in 27.5, everything's wire bead and maybe tubeless, maybe not. So wait, so, so double down was really as far as you wanted to go. Right. Like on a road bike, traditionally, the concept, I think, is higher thread count means more supple. Yeah, it mean it's softer, it complies more, it's a less stiff casing. Right. And supple meaning soft versus Compliant. stiff casing. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of stretch, a little bit of yield. Right. Now I'm I'm not sure on this. I may be misspeaking, but the theory that I have is that the thread size goes with it. So the 60 TBI has bigger threads, they're harder to cut. There's two layers of them. The 120, there are still two layers, but they're smaller, so they might be easier to cut than a dual ply 60 TPI. I don't mm. know this for sure. I'd love to talk to someone at Maxis and not the sales guy. Well, you would think <laughs> that there has to be if they could make them just as strong, why have both products? Right. And yes, I would agree. And here's another little little secret thing if you really dig into the maxis catalog you can get a single ply 120 tpi exo minion dhr and dhf so if you were say building a trail bike and you really really wanted good rolling supple tires they have single ply 120 exos but you have to look and it's only with minions they don't offer it in a lot of tires they offer it in their xc race ones but in trail that's really the that's the only one so I went way down in the rabbit hole of the Maxis catalog. And I don't mean the website. I mean the catalog, like part number by part number. <laughs> as long as we're talking about the rabbit hole, a common question lately has been, is a 2.5 Maxis tire A different than a 2.5 wide trail Maxis tire A? And I think the answer is no. They are different part numbers. They are different part numbers. Okay. I don't I don't know if it's a different casing, but they if you look in their catalog, there are two tires side by side. Well, you gotta the change same. the part number because one says WT on it and there's a difference. <laughs> right. <laughs> so So it is different because one says WT. It is different. <laughs> I would be curious to know. I mean, if they're really just pulling a rope a dope and being like, Oh, it's the same thing. Like I got to think there's something different. Is it detectable by most people in most rim configurations between a 25 and a 30 millimeter rim? Probably not. But I think some people have talked to Maxis and there's not. But there's not a difference. Maybe the person at Maxis didn't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just a rebranding of that tire. But the funny thing is they have the exact same tire. All of their specifications the same right next to it. One WT, one not. Same size, same casing, same blah, 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 blah. Everything (laughs) else is the same. So that's Do the they, part. though? Cause, cause, Can you chase this down in the catalog? Because we ordered some that the pack, that was a different part number and the packaging didn't say YT, but now on the side of it, it did. Like, I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of confusion. If someone, let's put it this way. If every other specification of the tire matched and someone handed me the tire and it didn't say YT, WT and I wanted the WT, I would gladly take the tire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to send it back. I think I, I actually have the WT um Version. I think that I think in the two five double yeah. down, twenty seven five. It's only WT. Right, and I think also moving forward on those sizes, pretty much. I don't. There's. It seems like a, the distributors aren't. I don't know. It seems like that the not right. WT wide tires are a fading. Yeah. Well, and what's funny too is because WT we have these customers better. agonizing over like, can I run a two five on this twenty five millimeter wide rim? Like, can I? Absolutely. And I'm like, well, we used to run two fives, two sixes on 21 millimeter D 
DH ribs. <laughs> yeah, the seven twenty one DH was in the name. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I digress a, some more. Back to vital. Let you guys wrap that up. It was a sweet day. Um, I recommend. Like it. It's funny, you know. In SoCal, there's not a lot of option opportunities to jump your mountain bike. Like you know, to act to hit like jump jumps on your mountain bike, and especially in the winter. And especially if you haven't been going to Sky Park like Nathan has. Um, so it's funny, like, maybe been six months since you've kind of let off the brakes and, like, really hit, like, a, a jump. Mm-hmm. Like, jump, yeah. like, a 20-foot tabletop or whatever. And it takes takes a little time to shake the rust off. <laughs> yep. Like, I, in my mind, like, there's, the, like, I know I've done this a bunch of times. And then, it, like, comes coming up on the jump. And, like, it feels like I'm going fast. Like, am I going to overshoot it? Like, and of course – you undershoot well, it. Yeah. You know, well, especially after the hard brake check. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then that first couple times you actually let it go and you kind of pop and you're like, ooh. It's I'm so that, high up. It's Am that over the roller coaster feel. <laughs> it is. And then that moment when all of a sudden it it just feels free and it doesn't feel scary. Like I got that a taste of that a little bit towards the end of the day, that kind of, oh, yeah. Like it's not scary. It just feels good. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Good jumping time. Yeah, it's always fun to get some... I mean, the only way to get that that jumping skill up is to do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and eventually it becomes second nature and you get comfortable in the air. But it's uh, it's just a lot of, lot of practice time. And I think the Sky Park jumps are a little bit more intuitive. I feel like the Sky Park jumps are sculpted better. The Big Bear jumps are a little... I, I, I think... I totally agree with you. There's less kind of times when it feels like you're going too fast or too slow where you have to either really try to boost it or scrub it. That jump line at Sky Park is amazingly timed. And then the not jump line had the the kind of I forget the name of arrow or no. Yeah. The kind of middle level trail. Yep. Has like some smaller jumps that'll really help you get comfortable with just kind of getting your wheels off the ground without getting too, yeah. too gnarly. Yeah. I like Sky Park. It's fun. It's fun. It's uh, And it's, it's almost easier to pedal to the top than to wait in line at Summit. It surprisingly and is. Probably quicker than waiting in line at Summit, for yeah. sure. It's about a 350-foot run at Sky Park. And, um, yeah, I there's been many times when I go there, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get tired and do a couple. And you just, you're one more, one more, one more, one more. It's Except very, don't say one more. You don't, but you, uh, you do <laughs> end up... Uh, being very comfortable pedaling back up later in the day more so than you thought you would. We were talking at Summit about the rule of never saying one more. Ah, uh, yes. And I'm not a superstitious person, and I'm not a woo-woo, woo-woo type, really. But uh, I believe in not saying one more run. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I, to me, it's not about superstition. It's about what that does Mental. to you mentally. Right. It was the mental state so what, that that puts you in. What is the appropriate comment? Do you say, do you want to do one more? Or I've heard some people say two more, skip the last. I like, my personal favorite is, let's do this one and see how we're feeling. <laughs> like or, or like, let's do another one and see where we're at. Right. So one more, not last one, one more. Let's keep riding. Yeah, let's keep riding. Even one more is a little sketch. <laughs> I would say, let's keep, like, let's do another run. Or another, you say another one. 
Yeah, keep Let's see how we feel. I like, like the... the further we get from this sounding like implying even that it's the last. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. the I like the like the trailer on that is what does it for me is like one more and we'll see how we feel after. It's the and let's see how we feel after. Right. Is, even though if the lift closes at four and you're getting on at four fifty five or three fifty five. Right. right. <laughs> Let, let's see if we can make it back for another one. Let's see how we feel. <laughs> yeah. I I think all of us know that too many times we've seen it. Like we've, you see yeah. that that last run is always the killer. Yeah. yeah. And the first run for me. Like I've learned to like try to keep it really slow on the first run too. Yeah. Cause that's also been a killer for me at times. Well, you're fresh and you feel like a rock star when you're a little giddy and excited and you're like, ah, you're like out of the yeah. gate. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know the feel. Awesome. So, Hey, are we getting close to, yeah. So I, I guess we'll, I'll, I'll lead it off a little bit. So I, I was going to kind of fill you guys all in on the, the BME in New Mexico, the big mountain enduro. Um, I just got back from that uh, this last weekend. We're recording on a Thursday. I did it the previous weekend. Um, so uh, I was going to kind of fill you in a little bit on some of the stuff that I did. But um, actually a friend of mine, a college friend of mine, um, she did it. Uh, so I got two friends. Um a Wait, friend you and have his two wife. friends? I do have two friends. Oh my God. Other than us? It's amazing. What? That it's makes four, four with Hawk and I. I know. Dude. It's incredible. <laughs> I think uh, I only have two friends, including you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I got a couple of college friends, um, a husband and a wife, and I've known them for a really long time. And uh, the wife, Sandra, uh, she did the race with us. And uh, they both live in New Mexico. Um, they live in Los Alamos, which is about an hour and a half away from Santa Fe. So it's quite convenient. And um, I've done this race before, and it's pretty burly. I mean, a lot of people saw the footage. There was pink bike coverage. That the Big Mountain Enduro Instagram feed shows a lot of crash reels and highlight reels and all sorts of stuff. I think they posted the highlight reel on Pink Bike today. Um, I really enjoy that race. I think it's hard, but not crazy. Um, and I thought it might be interesting to get Sandra's perspective on if my meters a little off in other words <laughs> i think this is a lot tougher um for some people than for other people i think it's just a good reminder that um there are a lot of perspectives i, I yeah i hate to say your meter's off i would say that your meter is calibrated for um well calibrated for what it is <laughs> for what it is exactly it's and and it has a range it's, it's kind of like a tune right i have a rebound tune it works in a certain range <laughs> <laughs> well and yeah, I mean, what you think is easy is hard for most people, even people who ride a lot. Right. And and let's just put this in perspective. I truly believe the BMEs are very solid. These are North American gatherings, I think, of some of the best. I get often humbled when I go there. I mean, for example, at our local Enduro at Fontana in age group, in expert age group, I'll get second. And at the BME, I got 31st in open expert, 101st overall. I mean, that's humbling. These guys are fast. These are a lot of Colorado boys. The place was crawling with Yetis. But you're not like humbled by the terrain or by the trail, really. No, I'm humbled, definitely humbled by the competition, meaning like I feel like I'm going pretty good and pedaling pretty good and like putting together a good run. And these guys are just like eating my lunch. But a lot of people probably are like humbled by the terrain. 
Yes. Well, and it's a big mix too. Like for example, one of the runs is t- I think I did a two fifty three, and then we had thirty second gaps, and I reeled the guy in. This was the second run of the day. I was like, "Shit, I'm doing really good." Mm. Not so much. <laughs> but he was just doing really bad. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, definitely a burly day. Um, very burly race. Excellent, excellent venue. I I cannot say enough. Out of any of the races that I've ever done, especially ones to travel long distance, the way that this venue is set out, it's it's hard to overstate this. It's a Baptist summer camp. The closest thing I can compare it to is this college campus. There's hotels on the property. They had food trucks. Everything is there. The trails are ride in, ride out. You park there, you're done. It is a, it's like going to a mountain bike resort. And and the Baptist summer camp part is shut down for this time period and is just crawling with mountain Ooh, bikers. Nice. I mean, you're just cruising around. It's like, oh, hey, Richie Rude, what's going on? And so it's it's really cool. And so if you're ever considering doing one of these, I think this is logistically one of the easiest to execute because of the way the layout is. You don't have to find a place in town, shuttle in, drive to here, drive to there. You get into the property, you park it, you're done. And maybe if you want to go into town, which is 15 minutes away to go to Santa Fe, you can have some nice nice food for the evening. That's the hardest it is to deal with. Um, and uh, thank you to... Glorietta camp for letting us do this like it was amazing really really cool and same as last year um can't say enough about the venue and and the location i I think it's really cool and then um and we can get into this a little bit more but i just wanted to give a quick touch on the bike i ran a carbon sentinel i did get the mrp ribbon coil fork just in time ran that um dh casing rear tire double down front dual saint eight inch brakes um big monster truck 29er and i had a good time um on that uh 170 cranks um trying to think of anything else notable is 170 cranks new for you uh no but i run 170s only on this bike i run 175s on everything Mm. else doesn't bother you no but i mean i still rock strike like a lot and i figure it might trim it back a little and so um it's more of an application thing i mean once upon a time we ran 165s on downhill bikes this is like a throwback to that it's a step in that direction in my mind because the nomads are running 170s 170s don't bother me and and they don't i wouldn't say it bothers me but i i think i'm i run 175s on cross-country and trail bikes i'm more used to 175s yeah but um yeah, it's it it works well. Um coil shock on that or coil shock on the front, air shock on the back because coil I just haven't found a coil trunnion that's available that I want. I really don't want to spend the money on 116. Um I think that's the only option that you I would You should borrow have. our 116 and then maybe you will want to. Is there a do you have a trunnion mount 116? Oh, not yet. Yeah. That's coming though. Okay. I I, I did order a smuggler or a, Sentin- to, or a sentinel, sentinel rather 116 okay. demo shock. Yeah, I think that would be great. I think I saw a couple people there. There were maybe a dozen Sentinels running around out of the 300 riders there. So that was, I was going to ask, 300 riders. You got a hundredth or so out of 300 riders. Yeah, and they maxed out. Um, they they did sell out. And um, So you got first out of the bottom 200. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and actually, two of the runs were the same as last year. When I looked at my times from last year to this year, I was like negligibly faster this year, maybe t- three to five seconds faster. Was the field faster this year? 
I believe the field was stronger. I mean, this year Curtis Keene was there, Richie Rude was there, and last year we were not seeing those international names. That, but I, I feel like mountain bikers are getting faster. I would on agree. the whole. I would like agree. a rising tide lifting all shifts kind of mountain bikers getting yeah. faster. There was there was a lot of fast dudes there. Oh, that the guy who does the enduro strength training program. I know some people have probably seen mm-hmm. this online. That guy D Tidwell, who does and he trains the whole Yeti team. He was there and posted a really fast time. He won the fifty plus masters. Um, so yeah, lots of fast people there. Um, last year I did I was faster than fastest pro woman. Not this year. I would have gotten second in pro woman. Um, not so, bad. Yeah. But, uh, is it, is it sexist if I say you're fast for a girl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was fun. The stages were, were difficult. Um, time generally it was first one was about 12 minutes. Second one was about three and then five and five, about 4,500 feet of climbing, all above 7,000 feet between seven and nine, about 90 degree temperatures. So See, this is what day. I find interesting. Like I, like you hear enduro, you think of it as a gravity race. I'm not in horrible shape. I'm in like compared to the general population. I'm, I'm like an okay shape compared to like elite cyclists. I'm in horrible shape, but like 4,000 feet of climbing is at, at that kind of elevation. I hear that. And I'm like, Oh, like, I'd break like, you off. I understand. <laughs> that's yeah, a I, that's a, that's a ch- like I can do it. I know I can do it because I've done it, and I remember how much it hurt. Like it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, and and mind you, that was with two days of at elevation practice under my belt, and I could just feel myself degrading, degrading, degrading. Yeah, yeah. no, that's what I think I maybe couldn't do. Yeah. So was, in practice, I did. I so out of all the stages, I essentially rode this course just shy fifteen hundred vertical feet shy of three times each because i did all the stages once and then the latter three stages an additional time so the only one i didn't repeat was the first stage which was was the highest it was a 1500 feet so you climb. did about 12, 11 12 000 feet of climbing over three days yeah so i basically raced this just shy of doing this course three days in a row that's like on target for the million miles of climbing in a year if you just <laughs> did that every day yeah uh, <laughs> maybe so, it, um, yeah, it was well, definitely... Well, no, it is. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. 3,000 times 350 is over a million, I think. Yeah. So, it's it was a, it was a lot of riding. Um, there's a lot of big sender options on this course, which aren't... You know, a lot of races don't have that, especially enduro races where you're sending five, you know, head-high drops into mm-hmm. rock gardens. Is there um, time savings for doing it? Yes. Yeah, it's worth doing it. For sure. Um, very rough. Lots of sniper rocks. Um, I I normally run my tires at about 25 PSI with no problem. I aired up to 29 oh, for this race. really? On the ribbon coil fork. I'm That's maxed. 29 front and rear? Front and rear. I w- you don't run less in the front than the rear? I was dinging the front on the, on the rocks. Because <laughs> there's so many times you were plowing in and you just couldn't correct. You had mm-hmm. to plow. Yeah, sometimes the front does take more than the rear. In I in, in at this race, it absolutely. I was hitting rim way more on the front than the rear. I was actually considering going higher on the front because I was Weird. rim rim hitting so many times. It's that rocky, very very rocky. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, I would say let's pause for just a second. We'll get my friend on the line and maybe get a different perspective on kind of how her race went and and all that. Does that sound good to you guys? Let's do it. That's great. All right. 
All right, guys, we're back. We have um, Sandra West, who is a good college friend of mine who is at the BME in New Mexico. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you. Welcome. It's good to be here. Hey, Sandra. Thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. So I th- Happy to. <laughs> so I think one of the big things um, that I would just start out with is how, how would you describe the terrain difficulty level like on your scale one to ten um and i'll give our listeners a little bit of background you have done the winter park bme last year correct correct okay and this one we had you know sean and uh sean is sandra's husband and we're we're also great college friends we've been riding together for a really long time and um, we had kicked around, kind of just tried to describe this race and difficulty levels. H- how would you describe the difficulty? Well, hold level on. Of this let's course? just let's let's get a little bit more. Let's get a little bit of background. How long have you been riding, Sandra? <laughs> That's where I was going to start because uh-huh. there is some context that is needed. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was the Winter Park race was my very first BME and my first enduro. So. That's <laughs> there's that to play into it. Um, I've been writing for quite a while, but I have a totally different learning curve than some people. So I started writing probably 2000, like officially writing in about 2005 um, when Nathan and Sean took it upon themselves to put a bike together for me. Uh, it was a single speed, if that tells you about what I needed to learn or wasn't doing on my other bike. Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, quickly learned to maneuver the trails in that respect, but I'm more of a cautious, controlled, methodical learner. So um, I, I maybe didn't didn't start out um, and have the, the steepest learning curve. So I've been doing some downhilling for a while. I used to have some downhilling bikes. I've done some cross country. I only have done a couple um, cross country local races. So I'm not as experienced in describing this as maybe somebody else would, but for me, this terrain uh, was a lot more varied. And actually the newest stage that they put in, which was stage two, was way more difficult than I expected. I This is kind of my home area. Um, so I had ridden uh, two of the stages before, and which was very nice to have that background. And that newest stage was like a downhill stage at a bike park, but just as if it was brand new, like before it has is like run, you know, really worn in Mm. where I can kind of predict that I'll stay in the rut and make it down. Um, I mean, it was just really loose and surprised me. Um, so I had to check my ego and (laughs) do my cyclocross downhilling techniques (laughs) in order to kind of make it down those sections. Um, but it worked. Uh, and so I really liked how they, played with the terrain they have like the trail going between two rocks in some places and and it's really creative i think it's a little bit more creative um in the trail uh building and placement of features than say winter park um and i think that overall the the routes at least felt some of them felt a little bit longer than and and so i feel like well, of course, could it be the transfers? <laughs> Winter Park yeah. was lifted, I should say that as well, <laughs> except for one, uh, two stages, but it was more of a traverse than an actual going up the mountain. So uh, that made it seem harder for me, definitely. I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking we about the, the elevation 
you know, riding that many vertical feet at elevation. How many days a week do you usually ride? Uh, well, this has not been a, a typical start to my season. I usually ride a couple times a week, um, but I've had some extra dog care I've had to do and some other extra commitments. So I actually was swimming and hiking more and not really riding, occasionally road biking. And oh my gosh, that did not translate. I paid for that. <laughs> so if I was a young, if I was a woman in your community or a man and I wanted to get into mountain biking, you'd be a good person to talk to. Like you could help me get into mountain biking and take me on some rides if I was a noob. Sure. I've yeah. done that. Like I've had people come to me. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is to someone you're the expert buddy. Um, I've had people say that. I actually am very proud. Recently, I've gotten to the point where I feel like all the other people I've been riding with were at forever, which is the, oh, yeah, this is an easy trail. We'll do this one. And at the end of the trail, staying, uh, oh, yeah, that was a little harder than I thought. <laughs> so I'm very proud that I got to that point. Yes. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I really enjoy that aspect. And I'm happy. I do. I'm definitely kind of the person that can go at whatever pace. So one one of the things at this race that we were we were discussing a little bit compared to Winter Park was Winter Park was an EWS qualifier and they were holding to arrival times at the top of the stages. And we had talked right. about that a little bit and in last year you were around you came and practiced with us one day last year and we were like, "Oh yeah, they're not keeping track of that." But then we all went to the riders meeting and it was like, "Oh yeah, we're you actually have to arrive on time." And with the amount of climbing in the day, how, how did, how was that message received? Not very well at first. <laughs> right. I was pretty intimidated. I was, I totally had my brain in the right mode. I was ready to go. And then after the writer's meeting, I was questioning everything. Why am I here? Like it was kind of a bad space. So I had to um, regroup basically yeah. and just decide I was going to take it stage one. Because um, yeah. I honestly didn't think I could make it in time to all of those. Because we also found out we had to wear our helmets on the transfers, which was hotter. And I went, decided I wanted to wear a full face because of my cautiousness. And I'd already seen a collarbone break. Um, so I was pretty <laughs> nervous. Um, yeah. And that made it a lot harder. So I wasn't sure I was going to make it. And so I just took it one step at a time and basically decided, had to go back to, why am I here? Why am I doing this? <laughs> right. Well, and yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say I was pretty stoked after we got done on the first one and realized it was a lot that we were we did have quite a bit of time. And I think Sean and I were texting you kind of our transfer speeds. Yeah. As the day was progressing, at least to just give you a frame of reference, because and this was one of the things we discussed at the race was if we had known they were going to be timing transfers, we would have taken note of transfer times in practice. Right, right. Yeah, that was really helpful. Um, and actually, weirdly enough, I rolled up to the start uh, because we had the staggered start. I started like an hour and 45 minutes later than you guys did. And I rolled up early, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes early to, you know, see what's going on. And the guy's announcing, you can just go ahead and get started on that you know, beast of a climb. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, maybe it's worse than I thought. <laughs> um, so I got started and then was waiting for an hour at the top which yeah. was fine because it was really neat to be around all these people who are far more talented than I am, but really nice and just swap stories. And so for me, it was a really nice experience to have that time. Yeah, for sure. And, and, um, 
I know as the day progressed, or over the three days of practice, I mean, you guys live at elevation, but it was really gradually affecting me as the as the race progressed. Um, and I know that mm-hmm. that three to four transfer kicked us in the butt too. And I remember seeing uh, seeing you and getting you refueled and and um, how were you feeling at that three to four transfer where it's like, oh man, we got another another <laughs> what seven or nine hundred thousand feet to go. Nine hundred thousand. That's how it felt. Nine hundred thousand feet. Yeah, um, nine hundred to a yeah. thousand. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, One million. Oh man, that was my low point. Um, that's where I really realized how much I underestimated the salt I would need for having for doing because two and three are pretty much still kind of on the mountain, and not. I didn't really have a refuel station between right. them. And I gauged my water based on kind of what we did in practice, but we didn't really put those two together and we weren't paying attention to transfer times. And I wasn't wearing my full face helmet on the transfers. And so I found out I be, I was hurting <laughs> mostly yeah. mentally. And just, I mean, even on stage three at the like partway down it, I just was not in the space. I had to do some controlled breathing and coaxing myself to be present and get down the mountain. Cause that's where the water is. Um, <laughs> not that I was out of water. I just, it was salt that I really needed. So I was thankful that you guys identified it and convinced me that I was low on salt. Cause after that, I felt a lot more human. I definitely had a point where I didn't know if I was going to do stage four and even said, I just want to do stage four so I can call this race done and never do it again. (laughs) So I had, I had that moment. I definitely did. So you're going to do it next year? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Time has this way of, of uh, healing things. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Just, and even just a few days. Yeah, exactly. What's well, that? and now I know, oh my gosh, more salt. <laughs> Start yeah. that right off the bat. It made such a big difference. Well, it's, as it's a known, you know, there's a known thing of like some stuff is fun while you're doing it and some stuff is fun later. Yeah. Yes. For sure. It's the um, fucked up and nasty fun. <laughs> yeah. It's fun later. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes that's Definitely. that's the most rewarding. That's an acronym, by the way. <laughs> F-U-N. Fun. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. I, I can definitely attest, and I think we all had big grins at the end of stage four, but I think a big part of that grin was like, I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how what, what time did you start and what time did you end? Oh, well, I was supposed to start at 9.30. I was not excited about that. I wanted to start earlier. Um, I actually started at 9.20, and I wasn't done until like 4.35, somewhere around there. Yeah, it was a, it was a big so, day. Nine to five. I had, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. I was like, this is the day of this. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think my big grin at the end was also primarily because there's – one big feature, I'm not comfortable doing big drops at this point in my biking career, but there's the big drop, and then there's the beeline, which is dirt-coated rocks that are all off camber with two big rocks that'll rip your trailers off if you don't hit mm. that gap um, at the end. And I wasn't sure I could keep it together all the way down to be able to hit that. And so I like didn't, I was clear I didn't want anyone at the end because I didn't want them to see me crash or even worse, like walking mm-hmm. um and then i made that darn ending i was so excited i was really happy that david didn't listen to me <laughs> i uh 
I hid in the corner just so Sandra wouldn't see me watching the final stage, but I was like, I'm not going to miss this. <laughs> and, and then, of course, I was like, did you see that? I made it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, actually, I did, and I was hiding from you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And, and oh, thank you. that's the final stage where if you go online and look, that's where everybody's cheering and hooting and hollering and heckling. And it's kind of like heckler's alley. And even towards the end of the day, um, there, there was, it's still packed. I mean, I, I, I think mm-hmm. Curtis Keene watched you go down, Sandra. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> oh he was there <laughs> watching all the Groms and, and the amateur women finish up. So it was, yeah, was put with the kids. <laughs> yep. It was there. Yeah, there was quite the mix of riders coming down towards the end. There was like some of the Groms, some of the fast kids that had problems that were kind of tailing in. A lot of the amateur women. Um, it was it was pretty cool to watch. And I actually there. So l- little story. When I was sitting there waiting for Sandra at the end, I hear this lady, this older lady, pick up her phone right in front of me. She's standing right next to Curtis Keene, and she's like, "Hello, grandson. Yeah. Okay. Well." You know, just keep going. You can do it. We're waiting here for you. And and Curtis is just like, they're cracking up. He's like, he's like, where was my grandma when I was racing? (laughs) And she was on the phone for a good five minutes going like, well, just keep going up one, you know, one corner at a time. You can get there. We'll we'll be here. (laughs) It was was really adorable. We all need a grandmother like that. Yeah, exactly. Grandma at the end of the stage, (laughs) rooting you on. And uh, I can just imagine the kid on the other end sitting on the trail. (laughs) Did she have her cowbell? (laughs) Oh, man, she was there. She was there waiting. It was it was great. I'll, I'll tell you, watching a lot of the young kids finish, there was a lot of stressed out parents at the end of the day as well. They were all like yeah. really worried, but uh, it was a big race for having such young kids. I thought, yeah, for sure, there was. Yeah, some of those little kids. This was like, wow, this is a, a bit to bite. We're we talking like twelve. How old were we talking? Yeah, I think maybe as young as twelve. Some wow. kids. Yeah. Whoa. No wonder the world keeps getting faster. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Right. Yeah. And uh 12 year olds racing this thing. Yeah. Um yeah. one of the things I was telling these guys is how I'm always impressed by this venue. Can you comment on that? Because it, it really strikes me as like an amazing kind of layout and venue. And, yeah. and just amazingly convenient. That's true. It is only about 15 minutes from Santa Fe, which has really good food. So there's that. <laughs> and green chili, <laughs> oh, which if you have not had green chili. Put that on your list. Auk and um, I just locked eyes. So yeah, the venue, it's a basically gated community. Um, it's just, it's a camp. It's a, off, they do a lot of races now, but it started out basically as a religious camp. And so it's almost like a gated university campus. They have uh, like a, pond that they actually will do triathlons in um start triathlons do the swimming there but they also have all these ropes courses and weird fun things that i want to go play in as well um if i was given the opportunity they have like a place for camping they have these huge buildings um that are like kind of like hotel room hotels basically or dorm rooms yeah um that are 
not very occupied. And so people feel really comfortable as a race venue, like having their expensive gear out and you treating it more like a small community feel Mm -hmm. and having that relaxed um, camaraderie. And, you know, you can just lean your expensive bike up against, you know, the side of the building and go to use the restroom or go do something else. And it'll be there when you get back. Amazing. Um, so it's, it's really nice in that respect. And it's kind of in this middle of this Canyon. So you have on both sides, a bunch of trails. And even as we're climbing up the stages and running trails, and you see other trails going off in other directions. And I know that they have another flow trail that they didn't run us on. And there were a couple stages they did last year. They didn't do this year. I mean, so it's just, impressive amount of trails the thing that makes you want to like come back and stay longer so you can see what else is going on and what these other trails lead to uh so in that respect it's it's really quite nice and they have quite a lot of elevation surprisingly um they own a quite a bit of area but then they are backed up against uh, santa fe national forest and so it kind of feels like it almost extends um, forever is what the impression you kind of get um, if you do these stages. Is it just keeps going and going until you get the tops of ridges, and then you know there's a trail going off up the ridge as well that we may you know didn't get the chance to explore this time. But um, they're really open to having people come when when they're not doing camps. They primarily have a bunch of people during the summer that are coming for all of the the camp stuff that they do. But they also do a bunch of outdoor uh, camps for families and kids and things. And so they have. Um, in addition to the ropes courses, they have like climbing and they have some um, of the, like, where they have the, I can't think of the name at the moment, dang it, um, where they put the metal into the rock, um, Via Ferratas, they have their own. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. So they teach them the the clipping system, you know, and going over anchors, which is kind of fun. So they, they really do get kids outside a lot which is which is neat and it's really a family feel like the race venue had like this whole camping area next to it so you've got all these different trailers and tents and things right next to each other so people could have that nice feel and then they have the hotel space um feel as well for those who wanted um showers that they didn't have to bring with them or that kind of thing so it, it was really accommodating I, I might be giving away the secret, but they don't occupy both hotel buildings during the race. And one of them, we were hang, we were kind of occupying the lobby because there's like nice couches and microwave and we were just chilling yep. in the lobby. It's like having your own living room and no one was hanging out over there. And we're looking around going like, hey, all the rooms are open that aren't being <laughs> yeah. used. We're like, we could just grab a shower if you want. That's and, cool. Uh, at, just as we said that, a girl walked in with a towel roll, walked into a room, shut the door. <laughs> and we're uh, like, that's awesome. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, someone thought of it first. Yep, we weren't the only ones with that idea, but it's uh yeah. yeah, it was super nice and and yeah, same thing. You just leave your bike lay- laying outside and because it's kind of isolated, yeah, you don't have a like no one's on you know, if you're no on the property, the racers are there. Yeah, you came through a a, a oh. gate. All right. You know to get into yeah. the property and um so yeah, it was it's I I think it's a difficult first BME to do or big race in the area, but as far as logistics and traveling and things like that, it's really pretty straightforward. It's only like an hour and a half away from Albuquerque, so you could fly into Albuquerque to do it. So I'm going to, yeah. Can I ask you a question about, uh, well, I, asking your permission to ask a question and then we just ask it. <laughs> just ask it. <laughs> all right. It's all good. So I'm sure that part of your being here was Nathan was, might have 
you know, kind of encouraged you or asked you and said, hey, you know, why don't you come back and race or or try this this venue out? As he described that to you, what <laughs> what if any was the difference between in your mind talking to Nathan initially to the actual reality of this venue? Okay. So we're talking about more of the like the actual doing the race or the venue itself. We're trying to bridge the gap um language-wise in describing trails between the Nathans of the oh. world and the Sanders of the world. <laughs> because okay. Nate, the Nathans and the Tawnies and the Ox of the world have this view of, of mountain biking and what we enjoy and what and we want to share this with everyone. And so we say like, yeah, come on, this would be great. It's <laughs> I think you'd have a lot of fun. Like and that's right. not the capital F, capital U, capital N. We just think you'd enjoy this. And then yeah. sometimes the actual execution's like yeah, I don't think there's a there's a so we're trying to bridge that gap. Yeah, okay. Well, to to frame that, I've had years of translating this kind of language. Ah, you're you're an expert in Nathanese. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome. So I have I have but the road there was hard. So What does I, it mean I'm when he's quiet? A side Just story. Kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As a side story and and anybody who's listening who has um, followed you guys blindly when you said it was fun may relate to this story. Um when I was starting on that single speed bike I was telling you about, um we would go up into the Magdalena Mountains near our um college and that are just numbered trails and the guy was be like oh let's do nine today and i have no idea what nine means like oh yeah there's a little bit of ups and then it goes over a little bit and then it's down but it's not that bad i think you'll really enjoy it right you know the, the typical descriptions you guys give right um and so Yes, I got through it, but I don't know how many times I actually just sat down on the trail and had my little meltdown all by myself <laughs> because everyone's waiting at the end of the trail <laughs> and then decided, okay, that's enough. I guess I can get up and keep going again mm. um, and then made it to the end. And after a while of doing that, I like got good enough that I don't have those meltdowns or at least they don't look the same anymore. Um so I've gotten really, basically the way I get through those experiences is I know it's probably going to be harder than you say. <laughs> and I just know that I will walk if I need to. I will stop if I need to. And if I want to have my little meltdown on the trail, you guys will still be at the end. Hopefully you'll brought beers so you can entertain <laughs> yourselves for a little yeah. while. And, um, and I've decided that schlepping my bike or if I've fallen and don't feel stable enough to ride for a few minutes because I've got too much adrenaline. Carrying my bike is actually just bike bonding. It's a good thing. <laughs> um, so, so that's really what's kind of gotten me through those. Um, for this particular race, um, I think I've gotten, I think also Nathan's gotten a bit better at judging what I can do and what I, what I would do. And so I, he was pretty good at saying it would be hard, but I can do it, um, which I did. And I just, try to keep my expectations in check. Like I walked a couple of the switchbacks on two that were just way beyond what I was really able to pull together right at that moment. And so I just got off and walked them and got back on. Um, so, and that worked for me. So um, let's see. A lot of this seems I, like good advice for almost any level of rider. <laughs> yeah. Keep your expectations in check. No, it might be hard. You know, yep. 
sometimes the encouragement is just what I needed. Um, Cause often, well, especially in, um, when we're practicing, they'll stop at some of the hard stuff to practice and often encourage me to do it if they think it's something that I can do. Um, and sometimes really it's, it's been listening to myself and like, when am I in a space where I can take on this extra risk if I can push myself or am I too tired or stressed out or worn out to like at a point where I just need to, to not that time. And so just knowing where I'm at has helped me a lot because oftentimes I can do it if they think I can. <laughs> um, but I still actually hear Nathan's encouragement and tips in my head when I'm writing. I don't know if you knew this, Nathan, but you have a voice in my head. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Thank you. <laughs> it's a positive voice. It's like um, but yeah, one of your imaginary board of directors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and just to frame this too, uh, you know, um, Sandra's husband, Sean, you know, we've been writing together for a long time. So I imagine a lot of what I say is in stereo with Sean. So it's... Yeah, it's, yeah but Sean, <laughs> Nathan's voice is in your wife's head. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, just I, I got to tell a little bit of story just as a shout out to Sean. Sean is one of the best troopers I've ever raced with. Um, he uh, uh, he we finished the, the race and then we were ahead. And so Sandra came in after stage three. Sean took some gear down, re-geared up. And to make sure Sandra got through, he f- did the last stage again. And uh, did an extra thousand feet of climbing. And Sandra, I don't know if Sean told you, but I had a conversation with him. I was like, dude, if, if you need me to go with you, I will. But I, I really, really tired. I, I think it's okay if you just go. <laughs> and uh, he's like, no, 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 dude, I got it. I got it. And, that was, uh, yeah, that was really sweet of him. I had mixed feelings about it at the time. I was like, oh, my God, this is like my mom walking me to school. I'm <laughs> But... <laughs> At the same time, I'm like, you know what? I really, why am I here? I'm here because I enjoy doing this with family and seeing what I can do. And I'm like, all right. Okay. Just enjoy the company. And you know <laughs> what, Sandra? Again. Nathan didn't have to actually go with you because you had Sean physically with you and maybe Nathan's <laughs> voice in your in head, head, you know? <laughs> right. <Yeah. And>, uh, <laughs> the omnipresence. Yeah. And, and just another shout out to Sean. He, uh, you know, he he had the sore thumb, like some something was up with his hand. He's like, "Yeah, I'm having a tough time hanging onto the bar. I, I'm I, I'll be okay on the race." And and Sean doesn't complain much, hardly at all. And and uh, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks coming up to the race, and I was like, "Oh, Sean's gonna be fine. He's always fine." And he was taping up his thumb, and he's like, "Yeah, I gotta grip it a little different, but I'm doing okay." And I guess it bothered him enough that he went and got it checked out. What yesterday? Yeah, it was yeah. cracked. Mm-hmm. like oh, the whole time <laughs> and it's it's healing up but uh he's like yeah that's why it's been sore i was like holy shit dude <laughs> so uh hats off to sean and um definitely so uh yeah it was uh I... he he gets a tough mfer of the of the weekend award sounds like a man who understands fun on all of its levels mm-hmm. yes for sure <laughs> Yeah, sure. that was that was very yeah. Definitely shout out to him for that for sure. And I, mean, I think that's part of it is like getting new people into biking or getting people from just casual biking to more serious biking is it's that camaraderie. It's the who you ride with and what's the attitudes they have. And I'm just so lucky to have such supportive people around me that will that know that I can do some things like like this race. I mean, I signed up to see if I could do it. I did, wasn't even sure going into it that I could. 
Um, and, and, you know, to have that encouragement when I need it. And the, also you guys were both just very like, well, whatever you need to do, giving me permission and not judging me. Cause I definitely had my questioning whether I was going to finish and what that meant to me. And so it was really, really wonderful to have that support. Yeah. It's, that made a huge difference. It's super fun doing a race like this. And this is, uh, um, a couple of years ago, Sean and Sandra, Sean was the only one that raced when we did the Crested Butte race, but we did the trip together and it's, it's been fun and, and definitely doing traveling with these races and meeting up with friends out there has been, been great. Yeah. So yeah. And I actually, go ahead. I was going to say, Sandra, one of the things just kind of circling back, I think you're, there's a lot of wisdom in, in what you had kind of said earlier in, um, you know, there is absolutely no judgment. Actually, I think there's props and, and admiration when somebody like yourself goes out on a ride that um, more experienced riders are on. And, you know, if you're behind and you've got to sit down or walk your bike through a section or take a moment by yourself, um, you know, I think it's awesome you know, that more than just saying, hey, guys, I'm sorry I was the last one, but it's almost like, hey, thank you for thank you for bringing me on this and thank you for taking the time to, to, to wait for me at the end of the trail. Because, you know, the folks that are at the end of the trail are really full of admiration to people like you who are willing to come along with people like them or us. You know, like, hey props to you for, for, for sticking with it, you know, and, and absolutely not even no judgment, but huge, like you're awesome for, for bearing with us, for bringing you on something that might be a little bit above your head. Thank you. I find that no matter how hard it is, it's always a great experience. I love seeing the different terrain. I love the the accomplishment, the joking on the trail, the, um, the just the experience. I think those are some of my favorite memories are, are those times that aren't necessarily easy, but I'm really glad I, I did it. I'm with you on the joking on the trail. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sh- Sean and I have that early college humor development that's still there, so it's quite fluid (laughs) would you say that it's sophomoric because that's my favorite comedy oh Uh, yeah i think sandra's gonna say it it maybe goes beyond sophomore maybe freshman (laughs) (laughs) i don't find all of it funny but i really appreciate (laughs) talk about it while i'm just focusing on breathing and moving forward so i don't find all of it funny is maybe the best line ever Yeah, uh, she tolerates it well, for sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was it was fun. We we had a, we had a good couple of days of practice, and yeah, unfortunately, like th- th- this is one of the challenges too. Is um, you know, especially like Sean and Sandra, like Sean and I were able to neighbor our numbers, and we stuck shoulder to shoulder the whole day. But unfortunately, Sandra's in a different group, and she has to start an hour forty five behind. There's really just no logistical way we can do the race day together, unfortunately. Um, so, um, but it was cool that I think Sean was able to link back up with her later in the day and we were able to get back to some of the points on the race and, 
And it was honestly, you know, one of the nice things is we had cell reception, so we could kind of communicate and mm. and right. um, let each other know what was going on and and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that that's that's kind of a. I mean, to a certain extent, Sean and I are experts, but we got to do it with a buddy. And Sandra is like, "Yeah, this is kind of newer to me." And then she gets sent out on her own. Um, li- a little harder in that regard. So yeah, and and I can guarantee you, like. When Sean and I finish, we're not smiling as much at each other finishing as we were smiling when you finished. <laughs> so, mm, awesome. Aww. So to link back to kind of what Aqua was saying, I think we were both way more proud of you finishing than each other. Each other were like, yeah, you suck. You should have gone faster. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, well, I, I would say at first I was really bummed that I you know, was going off on my own. But you know, just to if anyone's thinking about doing this and is kind of in a similar situation, do it because the people are so nice. I'm, I just was amazed by how kind the other writers were and social. And I mean, I happened to one of the first people that came up pedaling behind me because I'm, I also have a decided that I have a slightly heavy bike for climbing as well. Um, I'm sporting the 3.0 tires. What bike are you riding? I like them. I have a Cube Stereo 150 HPA race. It's a 27.5 plus 2016 bike. Um, got the cool. small frame, but the 3.0 tires. So, you know, it's kind of a kind of a bigger bike. But I really what like. What is your bike weigh? Tires. Do you know? Ooh, that's a good question that I do not know right at the moment. Probably 30 pounds or so. I guess 30 to 31 pounds. Yeah. I mean, it's Probably. an aluminum 150 bike with yeah. plus size it, tires. Right. And I'm about a buck 10. So it's mm. a significant portion of my weight. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if it's, I mean, this person came riding up with the, the, that I happened to meet at Winter Park, who I just was so amazed by. She did like 31 races last season. She's more of an all around rider than anything. So we're a little bit closer on times. Um, so she's not as much of a downhiller as she is an endurance rider um, and a long distance rider. But she just had such a great attitude. And she's like, it's okay. I just keep thinking about that, like finding Nemo thing. I'm like, just keep pedaling, just keep pedaling. <laughs> and like, she's like, she, I asked her about the music, and she's like, oh, I just like to keep it light because sometimes it gets so heavy on race day. And I'm like, that is exactly what I needed to hear. Mm. <laughs> it was perfect. And even though she pedaled away from me at one point, like, I it was just so nice to have to meet people that are enjoying it and keeping in tune with why they're here and you know why are they racing and what's the fun in it um so even all along the way it was really nice to have that people were really friendly um so i recommend it to people even if they're not going to be riding with a buddy it's a really neat experience and it's even if on the unfun parts when it's really hot although thankfully it was we had some overcast that saved me um there are other people in it doing it and i, I overheard one guy saying ah I'm too out of shape for this shit anymore. And I, <laughs> in the language, that's what they said. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, oh, that's how I feel. Okay, I can keep going too. Uh, keep going. Right. <laughs> so, so it's still worth going if you can't ride with a friend. Yeah. I er- think. Everybody's on the same struggle bus. Mm-hmm. Well, that happens even at the highest levels. For sure. And I was, oh, man, was it on, I forget, Pink Bike, one of the vital um, websites, was about I think it was on the one of the last EWS um, uh, races. How oh, even at the top levels, um, the top women riders pushing each other along, literally physically pushing each other along to get to the end of the race. Yeah, wow. 
And, um, you know, even at the highest level of competition to see that in the enduro scenes that like this level of camaraderie camaraderie exists. And that's, that's really cool to hear. Yeah, it is really cool. I was so amazed. I was able to ride with some of the masters. I mean, and this race had, I'm not as I haven't seen masters in like the, I mean, occasionally in the 40 plus, but not as many riders as I expected. There were like, like, I don't remember exactly. There was at least eight up to 15 masters women, um, I don't know the number, the number exactly. And then in the men's categories, they had a master 40 plus and a master 50 plus, And there were a number of people. And it was just such a wonderful thing to see them riding and to see how nice they were. And they're just in amazing shape. I want to be in that shape because they were in better shape than I am now. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really a great thing to look up to. And they were friendly and supportive. And um, that was just really neat to be in that with those people who are just so, so good at appreciating the race venue and, um, no, you know, kind of leaving the, the ego behind and really enjoying the people that they're racing with. Yeah. Well, in your late forties, you kind of have to start leaving the ego behind. <laughs> I oh man, that. they passed me. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, they're tough. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, Sandra, I really appreciate you calling in and giving us a, a another perspective on the race. I, I know last year our listeners kind of heard my perspective on the race, and and I think this was this was a great insight as to as to what happens. And I I hope it inspires someone who's not as considers themselves a racer to give this a shot at some point, and um, you know take it on as a challenge. And it's you know or even I, just get outside your comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. I do, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I I don't consider myself a racer still. So I really right. hope it does inspire some people to do that because it was, it was definitely worth the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sandra, really, thanks. I appreciate it. Guys, do you have any other questions for, for Sandra? Uh, nice to meet you, Sandra. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. Cool. I, count, I count myself amongst the, um, the, the, the privileged uh, who have a friend like Nathan to, to help us along in our mountain biking. And yeah. <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> Hopefully we can all ride someday. <laughs> yep. Yep, some people to look up to. It's a great thing. Thank you so much. It was great to be able to talk with you guys, and I hope to maybe ride with you in person sometime. That'd that would awesome. be lovely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon, Sandra. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, listeners, thanks. Uh, definitely, thanks to Sandra for for calling in. I hope that was. Yeah. I hope that was a good, a good another perspective on the race. And, it was good for me. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, but yeah, it was just, like I said, super fun event. Really enjoyed it, and and um, you know, I think we're kind of we had some listeners asking about that coil uh, fork that I ran, the MRP ribbon coil. Um, all I can say is that the Pink Bike Review is spot on to my opinion. I, I agree with everything the Pink Bike Review had to say, and um, thinking maybe we'll I can get into that a little bit more on a future episode. I think the Pink Bike Review more or less said it's not better than a Fox Thirty Six Air. And I would agree. I I would have I I really like the fork. Um, I think the new like Fox Thirty Six Air particularly is an amazing fork. Um, it is quieter. <laughs> the Pink Bike Review was spot on. This is a noisy fork. My takeaway is get a Fox Thirty Six and get a push coil conversion. Um, yeah, I think that would be a viable option. Honestly, I think the Fox Thirty Six in stock configuration is. I would have no complaints 
It's a good fork. It's a I've great fork. I've ridden the Fox 36 stock, and with the push coil conversion, it is, to me, head and shoulders better. Yeah. I, I haven't done the push coil conversion, but taking my Fox 36 off and putting this MRP coil on, um, it's just different. And I think my preference might have leaned towards the 36, although... Um, but the fit and finish of the product is really good. Um, I do agree with the pink bike article. My spring rate was a touch on the low side with the soft. For what do you my mean rate. when you say it's loud? What kind of noises? Like squishing, clanking? The the uh, rebound hydraulic circuit is like slurping. It's and squish, squish, slurp, slurp. Yeah, and this race was really rocky, and so you it was it was quite noticeable. It's very noticeable. Um, and I'm gonna agree with pink bike, slightly annoying. Yeah, I don't like that sound. Um, but stiffness, chassis wise, it felt great. Um, travel felt great. I mean, fit and finish. Um, one thing to know that I was a little nervous about going to a race is I, when I got the fork, I had assumed you could drop a different spring in through the top of the leg or through the top cap. You cannot. You have to. You have to drop the lowers. Oof. Drop trow. Yep, you got to drop trow, do a lower. Changing the lubrication bath. Change the lubrication bath. You have to send the spring in from the bottom. So there was a handful of more things I had to pack to be prepared to change a spring if need be. I ended up like not that much more technical or hard, but it is. It's a it's a lot. Well, I mean, I could have more tools. It's more know how. Right. It's more time. It's more fluids. Yeah. Well, fluids is. For, big thing. for sure. I had to bring oil. I had to bring snap ring pliers. I had to bring um, a roll of paper towel if I needed to do this in the field, right, basically. Sure. Do it in the back of the path van. Um, Sean was there. He's going to have to help me, you know, do this, drop the legs, all that stuff. And um, so, I mean, it, it's I, I really like MRP as a company. They're really responsive. I think it's a great product, but it's, yeah, like... Uh, if you're I, looking I, I for, can't, I can't really say I liked it better than my Fox 36. Mm. An air air fork. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, put your Fox 36 back on there and get a push coil conversion. You will be blown away. I sold my Fox 36. Dang it! Get the MRP. Uh. <laughs> um, but uh, I've got a non-boosted uh, Fox 36. I could let you try if you've got a. Uh, I, I need a one, <laughs> I need a 160 29. My 150. <laughs> Fox 36 with a push coil conversion for in it is the best feeling non-dual ground fork I've ever had. Yeah. And that's maybe with the possible exception of a 170 totem. Oh, yeah. Wow. The, the, the fabled. The fabled and, and, and Lorne. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Man, if those were still around in 27 half or 29, gosh. Be awesome. Well, so were anyway, those, that's. Were those 40? I think they were. 40 yeah. millimeter diameter stanchions. I think they were. Oh, my god! All right. Are we going to call it? How deep in are we? We're an hour 30 minutes in. That's our time. All right. For Nathan and Ock, and with special thanks to Sandra, love the bike you ride. <laughs>